Good morning. All right. Hello, Oakwood family. Sorry about that. We had a little bit of a sound glitch here at the church. Uh, But thank you so much for joining us. Uh, My name is Pastor Ben. I am the youth pastor here at Oakwood Community Church, and it is my privilege to be able to work with our middle school, our high school, and our college kids here at Oakwood Community Church. Uh, Thank you again for joining us. Uh, Please bear with me. It's my first time uh, preaching in front of a crowd that is completely empty. Uh, So if you would, please bear with me. I feel a little bit safer because I know that there aren't going to be any rotten fruits that are thrown at me or anything like that that I have to worry about this morning. Uh, But if I start looking around at the crowd and look at all your pictures on these chairs, uh, please just bear with me uh, as I adjust as well as you. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Again, my name is Pastor Ben. If you have a middle school student, if you have a high school student, if you have a college student, and I haven't gotten the chance to meet them, I would love that opportunity. If you could just send me an email, I would love to reach out via text, via a phone, or even just an email or a note or a card. I would love that opportunity just to meet each and every one of the kids that we have here at the church in that student range. Now, uh, when I was going through what we were going to be talking about this morning, I was challenged because it's kind of dangerous to say to a pastor, you have a weekend to talk about on anything you want to talk about. Uh, because the, the challenge is to find something that you want to speak on, something that you feel God is calling you to speak to his church. And what can happen is you can spend almost as much time trying to come up with your topic and narrow down exactly what you want to talk about as you do actually spending preparing for the message itself. Uh, So this morning we're going to be talking about idolatry. And idolatry is a big word that we oftentimes read in the Bible or it's something that's spoken about from stage. But the big idea this morning is this. We all wrestle with idolatry. We all wrestle with idolatry. And it can be tempting for us to think about idolatry as an issue of the past. It was something that they worried about back when the Bible was written. It was something that they kind of struggled with back when Jesus was around. But nowadays, we don't really have statues that we pray to. Nowadays, we don't really have figurines in our home that we we pray to or we think of as idols. But I want to challenge your thinking a little bit today. I want to broaden our understanding of what idolatry actually means. Our key verse for this morning comes from Isaiah 45.20, and it says this, Gather together and come, assemble, you fugitives from the nations. Ignorant are those who carry about idols of wood, who pray to gods that cannot save. And this is the crux, this is the main idea of what I want us to understand this morning, is that if we focus on idols, we are praying to gods that cannot save. We're going to be jumping in together in a passage in Exodus this morning, but before we do, I want us just to set the scene. I want us to understand where in the biblical narrative this takes place. So for us, if you have your Bible this morning, you can turn to Exodus chapter 32. Uh, But before we start reading there, I want to just set the scene. Right now in this passage, I'm sure many of us understand the story of Exodus. We kind of understand the main plot points. And right now in the passage we're going to be reading, God has already brought his people out of Egypt. God has already brought the Israelites, the Jewish people at that time, out of this country that they were slaves in. 
And the people got to witness these amazing miracles. They got to witness these terrifying signs that God did in the land of Egypt to soften Pharaoh's heart to the point where he would actually let his people go. Let God's people go. And it's this point at the story where Jesus, or where God has brought his people out of Egypt and they are past the Red Sea and they are just camped at the base of a mountain. These people have gone through years and years of slavery. Their parents and their parents' parents were slaves in this land of Egypt. And Moses brought them out of Egypt and they're just camped at the base of a mountain. And what Moses does is he goes atop this mountain to meet with God. So this is where we're going to pick up the story. Let's pray together as we jump into our scripture this morning. Father, we come to you with expectant hearts that you might have a special message for us this morning, that you might challenge us in a way that might stretch us, might deepen our relationship and our love with you this morning, Father. So as we explore this passage in Exodus, as we challenge ourselves As we look at this concept of idolatry, we just ask that you would be the center of our lives. You would be the center of this conversation this morning. And as we feel challenged, Father, we just ask that you would surround us with your grace. Because I know that I, as well as anyone else, struggles with idolatry. And it's only with your help that we can wrestle with it. So, Father, we love you and we thank you. Exodus 32 says this, When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountains, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron answered them, Take off the gold earrings that your wives and your sons and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they had, they took what they had handed to him, and he made into it an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, Tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day, the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. After, they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down, because your people whom you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away. What I have commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. Now, for me, it's hard for me to understand exactly what God might have been feeling at this moment. He had just brought these people in a miraculous way out of slavery, out of the land of Egypt, out of the hands of those who had oppressed them. And Moses descends, or uh, he climbs a mountain to, to commune with God, to speak with him. And as God looks down this mountain, he sees his people building a false idol. 
he sees this people, these people that he just saved, building this golden calf. And I, I'm sure many of us have heard this story before, and I'm sure many of us understand that this is a, a, not a good thing. The only thing I can think of in my own life that I somewhat relate to is me and my wife just bought a puppy. Uh, we actually named him Moses. We call him Little Mo. Um, and sometimes I just look down at him and I just have to shake my head. I say, okay, we just took you outside and you peed on the carpet. I just gave you a big bowl of food and you still want more food. I just, I look down and I kind of shake my head and say, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? I wonder if God, looking down on the people of Israel at this time, is just kind of shaking his head. He, he just performed these miracles. He just brought his people out of the land of Egypt and they turned their backs. They, they spend time and effort to create an idol that they can bow down to and worship. And I wonder if God just looks at them and shakes his head. It's important for us to understand that the people of Israel were surrounded by other gods, little g-gods. In Egypt, there were plenty of gods. In uh, the lands north of them, there were gods. In, in the east, there were gods. In the west, there were gods that were celebrated, that idols were built to. Uh, on the screen, you can see some pictures of gods that were celebrated in the land around the Israelites. So for them, it, it made common sense. It's, you know, we just got brought out of Egypt. We're going to create something that we can physically see, something that we can tangibly hold on to, that we can bow down to. And it's interesting because not only did these people just experience God's power, not only did they just experience Moses leading them out of this land, but the gods at this time had names. The gods at this time would represent something. So for them, it was easy to say, okay, that's the god of wealth. So I I want to bow down. I want to serve the god of wealth because I really need some money. For them, they could look at the god and say, okay, that is the god of sex. I want to bow down to, I want to build an altar to the god of sex. For them, they could have looked at one of the gods and said, okay, this is the god of a, a good harvest. So they could build an idol, they could bow down to it and say, this is what I want in my life. And we're going to get to in a minute just exactly why idolatry is a little bit more complicated now for us. But the main idea is that we no longer have these things surrounding us that we can point to and say, that is the God of sex. That is the God of wealth. That is the God of the harvest. But we still struggle with idolatry. In fact, even during the time of Jesus, the people still struggled with idolatry. In 1 Corinthians 10, it says this, For I do not want you to become ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were under the cloud, and they all passed through the sea. They were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. 
We should not test Christ as some of them did, as they were killed by snakes. And do not grumble as some of them did, as they were killed by the destroying angel. These things happen to them as examples and written down as warnings for us on those who the accumulation of the ages have come. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you do not fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he also provides a way out so that you can endure it. Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. Now, before we go any further, I want us to define idolatry. I remember going on a missions trip as a middle schooler, and this pastor got on stage at one of our uh, conference meetings that we had on that missions trip, and he got on stage, and he was passionate, and he preached for probably an hour and a half about the danger of idolatry and the, what, what idolatry can do to your heart and the troubles with it. But as a middle schooler, I was sitting there, and I was like, what in the world is idolatry? Like, I understand this guy's fired up about it. I understand that he's passionate about it, and he wants us to understand that idolatry can be harmful, but I don't know what idolatry is. So friends, fear not. We are going to talk about what idolatry is. Back in the times that the Bible was written, it was easy to point and say, idolatry was when you worshipped a statue. Idolatry was when you worshipped a God that was not our God. But today, friends, the definition that I want us to understand when it comes to idolatry is this. Idolatry is when we desire or value something more than we value God. Idolatry is when we desire or value something more than we value God. I think even in the New Testament, it picks up on this a little bit, that the people in Exodus were to be an example for us. They were a warning that was written down that we might not follow the same path that they did, but idolatry is not just about bowing down to a statue. It's not just about creating an altar that we can make sacrifices on. Idolatry is deeper than that. It's when we desire or value something more than we value God. My friends, many of us would look at the previous images that I showed and say, okay, it's easy to understand those as idols, but friends, I want us to be careful because I think many of us have idols that look a lot more like these pictures. I know uh, at different times in my life, video games would have been considered an idol for me. Uh, on the screen, we actually have some alcohol. For a lot of us, alcohol becomes an idol. Uh, there's a cheeseburger on the screen. If you've ever been to Shake Shack, you understand this one. Food can become an idol. In the middle, uh, it's just a, a workplace. For many of us, our idol is actually our, our job. It's our position at work. It's the authority that we have there. And the top left-hand corner is just a picture of a family. And I want us to make this distinction between good and God. Because oftentimes we, we like to hang on to those things that are good. None of the things that we just talked about are, are terrible on their own, but they can be great. They can be good things. But if we do not make the establishment between good and God, we can end up worshiping these things. 
If we don't make the decision that this is a good thing, but this is not God, we can fall into that trap. Now, I want to talk about some false promises that idols make us. I want you to take just a moment to think for yourself, what might be an idol that you're wrestling with in your life? Are there times where you value your family more than you do your relationship with God? Are there times where you value indulging in drinks and food more than you even do in your relationship with God? Are there times where you value, you put more weight, you put more stock on your position, on your title, on your workplace than you do your relationship with God? Because I want to talk to us about some false promises that idols make. The first is this. Idols make the promise of security. Idols promise us security. I want you to envision the people of Israel at the base of a mountain. Their leader has just gone up a mountain, and they're sitting there, and he's been gone for a long time, and they don't know what to do, and they're probably scared. These people are fearful. Is Pharaoh going to come after them? or Is the people in the land to the north going to come down and destroy them? These people lack security in their own mind. And an idol for them would have promised them security. It would have promised them this sense of safety. So I ask you, with the idol that you are wrestling with, with the idols that you wrestle with, do they promise you security? Does your job promise you security for your family? Does your title at work promise you security? Maybe it's the fact that you just struggle with lust, and that's the idol that you struggle with. Does that lust promise you a security? Idols promise security. Uh, On the other side of the coin, God promises security. The second promise the idols make, idols promise fulfillment. When we struggle with our idols, when we wrestle with them, when we think about the ones that really have a grip in our life, they oftentimes promise you fulfillment. At the end of the day, if you just bow down to this idol, if you just spend 10 more minutes playing Warzone, if you just eat that next cheeseburger, if you just have one too many drinks, that will be fulfilled for you. That idol that you worship so much with your time and your energy and your resources will bring you fulfillment, or that's at least what it promises. The last promise that an idol will make is victory. As the people are sitting at the mountain and they're afraid, they want this fulfillment from this idol, they want this security from this idol, ultimately they want something that they can point to and say, this brought us victory. I know for many of us, we're sports fans. And you're like, hold on, Ben. I'm with you. I was with you all the way up until now. Don't pick on sports. Calm down. Sports can be an idol. Many times we think about victory in sports, but victory can be victory in our own life. Does the idol of our position at work make us feel like we're just going to win at life? We're going to be successful at life. 
My friends, for each one of these false promises that idols make, God also makes the same promise. God promises us security. God promises us fulfillment. God promises us victory. But the important distinction is that these promises are not all earthly promises. God has secured us victory over death. God has given us a spring welling up inside of us that should fulfill us. God brings us security in the sense that we no longer have to be worried about sin. We no longer have to struggle with sin. For many of us, this act of idolatry feels like something that is just a physical thing. It's literally bowing down. It's just spending your time. It's something that is just physical. But I want to make us... Oh, but I want to give us a couple more points. First thing, idolatry pulls us away from God. Idolatry pulls our attention away from God. As his people are camped at the base of the mountain, instead of fixing their eyes on the mountain, they are fixed their eyes on the idol. It pulls their attention away from the divine to the earthly. From their divine needs to their earthly needs. And lastly, idols cannot save. Many of the people wanted this calf to be their savior. They wanted it to be the thing that they would carry in front of them as they walked that would make sure that they had security, fulfillment, safety. Idols cannot save. But we need to understand that idolatry is a heart issue. Idolatry is just actions. Idolatry can feel like it's just something that we do, something that we struggle with, but really the issue is our heart. Many of us have become familiar with these. This is a temperature taker, a thermometer, if you will, and how it works is you basically hold it up to your forehead and it will tell you what your temperature is. And I want to assert um, that it's important for us to do this with our own heart. Um, This is actually a very special thermometer that I was able to get. If you hold it up to your forehead, it actually tells you that you need church. Of course, just kidding. But what this can do, if we think of it as an illustration, is every once in a while, we need to take the temperature of our heart. We need to take the temperature of what our heart is wrestling with. So this thermometer itself cannot tell you that it needs church, that you need church. It can't tell you that you're struggling with idolatry, but there are a couple signs that we can look at. There are a couple things that we can think through as Christians that can help us to understand this might be an issue that I'm struggling with. The first thing is this. The first sign that we're struggling with idolatry is that we have a hardened heart. We, uh, me and my wife are a part of a marriage series that uh, Pastor Shane has been leading some of the couples in the church through. And one of the things that, one of the points that he brought up that I really found exciting, something that I could apply to my own life, was when he was talking about the hardened heart. And he said that in your marriage, sometimes if the things that used to bother you no longer bother you, there's a good chance that you have a hardened heart towards it. If, if back when you first started dating your wife, if, you know, if watching that movie that you knew had some stuff in it that wasn't good for your heart, if that used to bother you, but now that you're married and you're kind of just relaxed and you're no longer worried about it, it doesn't hurt your heart anymore, you might have a hardened heart. 
And I think the same thing is true with idolatry. If we're wrestling with idols, the things that used to bother us may no longer bother us. The things that used to make our heart hurt when we first met Jesus might no longer make our hearts hurt. When you think about it, if you're at work and if work is your idol, if it makes you neglect time with God or if it makes you neglect time with family, things that would have hurt your heart before and they no longer do, you might be struggling with a hardened heart. The next thing that might be a sign that you're struggling with idolatry is this, an idol-centered schedule. It's kind of a funny time to talk about schedules right now because we're all stuck at home for the most part. Many of us have started to work again and things have started to pick up a little bit, but for the last three months we've had to kind of put pause on a lot of our schedules. And I hope for you as much as it did me, it was a challenge because I realized so much of my schedule is focused and centered on things that aren't God. So much of my schedule, so much of the things that I spend my time doing, not are bad things, but there are times that they're not God. They're not focused specifically on God. So maybe a sign that you're struggling with idolatry is just that you have an idol-centered schedule. And then lastly, my resources are spent first on my idol. For many of this, this will ring true that before we think about how we're going to devote our resources to God, before we think about the fact that our resources aren't even ours, but we're just a steward of them, we, we rush to spend our money. We, we rush to put it at the altar of our idols. So for many of us, we can think through these things and we're like, okay, Ben, great. I kind of understand what idolatry is. I kind of understand that it's something that I wrestle with. I kind of have a a thought about maybe I'm wrestling with this specific idol in my own life. I want to talk through just some simple solutions that we can have to idolatry. The first, seek forgiveness first. Again, if this is truly a heart issue, then we have to ask God to soften our heart. We have to ask God to point out for us what our idols are. We have to ask God to make sure that we seek forgiveness. Because if we have not sought forgiveness first, then we're not going to be able to actually attack those idols. We're not actually going to be able to diagnose those idols. The second thing, diagnose our idol infestation. We need to diagnose our idol infestation. And this is my challenge to you today. Spend 10 or 15 minutes trying to write down anything in your life that you might have as an idol. Anything in your life that may sometimes be more value you, more valuable or more important to you than your relationship with God. Take 15, 20 minutes, write those down. Because if we've already asked for forgiveness, we need to take time to actually diagnose what idols we're struggling with. And then lastly, we need to reset and recalibrate. We need to reset and recalibrate, and this is how we do that. We need to schedule resources that are devoted to God. We need to schedule... uh, We need to schedule service that is devoted to God, and we also need to schedule time that is devoted to God. These things are important because if we don't schedule them out, we're going to be wrestling with our idols and we're not going to be intentional about it. 
we're not going to be taking the time to actually stop and say, okay, if I don't schedule my resources for God, if we don't schedule service to be devoted to God, then we're just going to be lost. We're going to be kind of stuck treading water. We're going to, you know, try to hold on to our idols. We're going to spend our money the way that we normally would. We're going to spend our time the way we normally would. We're going to maybe serve in ways that we normally would, but they're not going to be God-focused. They're not going to be God-centered. I want to bring us back to where we started in this conversation on idolatry. Because once we've scheduled resources and services to God, one thing that I want you guys to do this week is schedule 30 minutes just to spend with God. Spend 30 minutes where you can sit down, be honest with God about your current life situation, be honest with God about the current state of your heart, and just be open to God giving you an idea of what idol might be in your life. And for many of us, we struggle with this because a lot of times our idols are good things. Many times our idol is our family. For many of us, when we're young, our idol is our girlfriend or our boyfriend. For many of us, our idol is the means that we provide for our family and provide for our lifestyle. We struggle with this because our idols are things that are necessary sometimes. But they only become idols when we let good things try to take the place of God things. They become idols when good things try to take the place of God things. My friends, I want to take us back to the book of Exodus. God's people are stuck at the bottom of this hill. God's people are forming this calf. Moses' own brother is spending time to actually build an altar to this false god. And God kind of looks down the mountain and he just shakes his head. Because his people struggle with idolatry. It's not the first time in the Bible that people have struggled with idolatry. In the entire story of the Bible, his people struggle with idolatry again and again and again. But what's important is that we wrestle with idolatry. We don't have a hardened heart that just says, it's okay that I have these idols because I go to church on Sunday. It's okay that I have this thing that kind of takes the place of God sometimes because it provides for my family. It's okay that my family is an idol in itself because I'm supposed to take care of them. I'm supposed to make them one of my number one priorities. But my friends, we must wrestle with idolatry. I know that I need that encouragement in my life. I know that many times idols in my own life take the place of God. And sometimes they're good things. Sometimes they're great things. Sometimes they're necessary things. But again, when the good things become our God things, there's a problem. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to finish and worship. But my friends, please take just 10 or 15 minutes this week. Spend time with God. Take time to actually diagnose the idol infestation in your own life, in your own heart, in your own home. And they're not as easy to spot as just a statue or a piece of artwork or this altar that we're going to bow down to and pray to. But my friends, it's just as equally important that 
we spend the time to diagnose the idols that are a lot harder to find in our life. Don't let the good things become the God things. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you with a humbled heart this morning because we know that we wrestle with idolatry. We know that we let things become more important to us than our relationship with you. We know that we struggle with the amount of time we devote to you. We struggle with the amount of our resources that we devote to you. We struggle with the amount of trust even that we devote to you, Father. But this morning as we talk about idolatry, we just ask that you would put an encouragement in our heart. You would put a challenge on our heart this morning that we might understand that we need to wrestle. Wrestle with our idols. Wrestle with the things that would take us away from you. Take our focus away from you. Father, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.